0: Welcome back to the program, hour number two, the Bill Michael Show. We continue on. Going to talk some NFL draft. As the Green Bay Packers have a couple of choices in the first round, uh, what are they going to be able to get if they don't trade them away? We'll have to wait and see before it's all said and done. Joining us now from uh, ESPN, Matt Miller is uh, on the hotline. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: Guys, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's good to be back and to actually get to talk about a team that has a couple first-round picks this year.
0: <laughs> well, here's the next question is, uh, do they get one? Do they get two when it comes to wide receivers? Or do they package and trade up?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. I, I was talking about that on TV yesterday, actually, because I, I think folks, we focus so much on, okay, they have 22, they have 28, where are they going to take a receiver? And I think we forget that this is a team that's actually loaded with draft capital this year you know having two picks in the second uh one in the third two in the fourth and three seventh round picks those maybe aren't as valuable but man they they definitely could if a receiver starts to slip look at it that way and say hey maybe we should go up and and get a player um you know like a Jamison williams like a chris olave uh, both guys so i think it'd be great fits with their speed but it, it kind of goes back to draft philosophy, you know. Is this a team that will finally draft a receiver in the first round? It's been twenty years, so maybe it would be kind of serendipitous if they finally do it after you know Javon Walker from Florida State been the last one. But that is, that is the I think you have to say first, okay. Are you actually going to draft a receiver in the first round? And then from there, you get to okay, as the board kind of plays itself out one week from today, if the receivers are there in the the middle teens is it worth calling someone like the Houston Texans? Is it worth calling the Baltimore Ravens and saying, "Hey, we're we're willing to come up and get get a guy." I think the good news for Packers fans is we spoke about that draft capital because there are not good quarterbacks this year. The asking price to move up really shouldn't be that crazy. You know, pick 13 on the old draft value chart is 1150 points. Where Green Bay sits at 22, and you're looking at throwing in a second-round pick, maybe that one from the Raiders, and a, a second-round pick next year, and you're up there in the top 15.
0: So let's, I want to go back to Jamison Williams. There's a lot of teams that are talking about him. Some uh, kind of indicate that they'd shy away because they want an impact player and they want him now. I think sometimes we hear a lot of things, and you know this, it's all crap, it's all smokescreen for trying to, you know, kind of sway uh, mock drafters, other organizations from thinking you're going to take a particular guy when really that's the guy that you're eyeing. But give me your thoughts on Jamison Williams coming back off of that ACL.
1: Yeah, I love Jamison Williams. If he were healthy, he would be the number one receiver in this class for me. I I think he is, you know, a do-it-all player. Uh, A good route runner at his speed is pretty rare. Um, uh, you know, his ability before and after the catch to create separation. He's just, you know, he's exactly what the NFL needs right now and what the NFL wants right now. And so I look at him as a pretty clean prospect, you know, no, he's not Jamar chase. He's not Julio Jones, but he's pretty dang good. Right. Uh, I think he would be, you know, up there with anyone but Jamar chase from last year's draft class. In fact. So uh, if he's on the board, yeah, you, I think you got to try to find a way to get him even with the ACL where, You know, before, you recently you would have said an ACL drops a guy out of the first round. I think now it's more like, hey, uh, we're good with it because we know that he's going to be able to make his way back. I mean, he got hurt in January. I mean, he might be back by October. You know, you're you're not missing that much time. And so I think that's the other side of it where you get pretty excited, like, oh, my gosh, this guy might be back, you know, sooner rather than later. And for a team like Green Bay uh, where you have – Serious, realistic playoff aspirations, you're probably more concerned about getting him for the second half of the season than the first half.
0: So, we, we've talked a lot about obviously Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson coming out of Ohio State. Tell me about George Pickens and your thoughts there, because I think that might be more realistic for the Green Bay Packers if indeed there's a run on wide receivers early on. It may be like a guy like Pickens, 6'3, 195, decent speed, coming out of Georgia, playing in the SAC. Yeah. He might be a guy that they go after.
1: I like George Pickens. I actually I was, was finalizing some scouting notes today, and and wrote about him that I think he could be the most talented overall receiver in this class. Like Jamison Williams, is obviously faster, but when you put him in with you know the, this entire group, it's unfortunate we didn't get to see him play a, a you know full stretch games because because he got hurt at Georgia you know to end the 2020 season. But I, I he's savvy, you know he's he's very very athletic at his size, 60, 200 pounds. Um, I, I've heard teams like the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills are, are kind of all over him. So I wouldn't be shocked if he is a, a first round pick just depending on how the board falls because of, you no, know, he's, he, he's what you want at the, he looks like a number one receiver from a height, weight, speed perspective, from the way he seamlessly adjusts to the ball. He has the speed to be a, a vertical threat. You know, it's, it's all there. And, and it's also, I think you look at him, it's like, okay, what can you become? If we do clean up, you know, I thought late this year when he came back from the ACL, it's like, okay, his routes weren't that good. Like, it was amazing that he was on the field. So like, I'm not going to, you know, completely trash a guy's route running ability because we're just excited that he's back on the field. But you know, he, he definitely has some of the most consistent hands in this class. And I think he has the athleticism to become one of the better route runners in this class. So if you wait until 28, Uh, George Pickens is definitely a value in that
0: spot. Talking with Matt Miller, ESPN draft analyst at NFL Draft Scout over there on Twitter. You can read his stuff there. Uh, Getting into some of the other positions, because I think it's interesting that the Packers, obviously, they need... They need another uh, tackle. They need a right tackle to be able to fortify until Elton Jenkins comes back. They need If they can't re-sign Jair because the price just went crazy since Ward signed in Cleveland, they might have to find additional secondary help. There's edge rushers in this draft. Where do you think the Packers' next need or next couple of needs are after the fact, after they get that wide out?
1: Yeah, I think even at 22, you can look at a player like Kenyon Green from Texas A&M who has experience at left tackle. He has experience at both guard spots. Uh, he was a three-year starter there. He's a, a fantastic athlete, plays with power and poise. Like He's a true plug-and-play starter who has, I think, Pro Bowl potential at right tackle and at guard. In that way, he does remind me a lot of Elton Genius when he was coming out of Mississippi State of like, okay, where is this dude going to play? What we know is he's going to play really well. So I would caution Packers fans, don't look at this year and say, oh, we'll get a lineman in the second round. There is a serious drop-off at tackle, at guard, uh, after the first-round players. At tackle, you know, there's there's three of them that you feel really good about. There's a couple more that are kind of in the mix. At guard, there's two of them that you feel good about this year as sure-thing starters. So I think that if 22, you get a guy like King and Green, at 28, you get a Traylon Burks or George Pickens, and then with those two second-round picks, assuming they don't trade up, I think that's where you can find kind of that value at corner because it is a deep group this year, to where you could say, okay, like we're going to grab a Kyer Elam from Florida in the second round. Uh, we believe he could be a starter, or a Roger McCreer from Auburn in the second round. He has some starter traits. So I think you're better off stacking your trying to stack your draft class that way, right? Of okay, night one, we got to get a lineman, we got to get a receiver. Night two, we got to get a corner, and then maybe you look at another receiver or a tight end and, and try to come out of it with three to four starters in this draft that way.
0: That was going to be my next question. The tight end position is is in essence being used now as more of a receiver than it is just a blocking tight end. Give me your thoughts on a couple of tight ends that might be sitting there in that second or even on that third day when the Packers are going to be looking for another weapon for Rodgers.
1: Yeah, you know, we right now, I don't think a tight end will be drafted and there won't be one in the first round. Let's I'll say that definitively. The second round is kind of a maybe at this point. My top tight end is Trey McBride. He's ranked 57th overall. So we could see the first tight end come off the board very late. It is, I believe, a deep class in terms of starters. Yeah, McBride, Jelani Woods from Virginia, you know, fascinates me with his strength and speed combination. Uh, Greg Dulcich from UCLA is a really good seam receiver. Jeremy Rucker of Ohio State is kind of a throwback wide tight end who can, you know, block catch up the scene, be great in the red zone. So this is the year. If you're going to add a tight end position, I think this is the year you could do it in round three, maybe even round four, and get a starting caliber player, even with the understanding that the Packers are drafting at the back end of those rounds.
0: What do you think of Jake Ferguson, the tight end coming out of Wisconsin?
1: I like Jake. Uh, I put kind of a later round uh, grade on him. Uh, I, I put him at uh, 177 overall in the okay. final big board update that I did. So, I mean, I, again, I think he has some starter traits, you know, you can look at what he does as a pass catcher and it looks like what you want you know, from a speed perspective. It's there from a quickness perspective. I, I think it's definitely there. I don't know that he quite lived up to, you know, where he was ranked coming out of high school as like a, almost, I think he was almost a five-star prospect. Um, but I think one thing that, that matters to me when I look at these tight ends, like middle round guys is you're coming out of a pro style scheme. You were incredibly durable in college. Uh, you're very consistent. And because you were uh, at Wisconsin, like you're a pretty good move blocker uh, in terms of the run game. Uh, and you've you know, been asked to run a solid number of routes on the underneath game. So you're going to come in a little bit more pro ready. Um, he's not your prototypical Wisconsin tight end in terms of, you know, inline pass blocking, inline run blocking but i think as a zone blocker as a move blocker that's kind of where his best fit is
0: Talk with matt miller espn uh espn nfl draft analyst at nfl draft scout over on twitter uh the other wisconsinite leo chanel uh the white or the uh, linebacker uh he's rated probably end of first uh, mid second round type of pick right
1: I have him a little bit later than that. Uh, I have heard, you know, some opinions that put him in the second round. I think he's a he's a tough player to evaluate in some respects because, like, you really like the the height weight speed combo that you're getting with him. I, I think some of it is going to be usage. You know, how how is he used? There's many teams that have certainly different opinions on him based on on that. Um, I, I think if you're a three four team, you probably look at him a little bit differently than if you're a four three team. But I like the kind of the total game that he brings, you know, to, to the NFL. I thought he had, you know, fantastic combine coming out as a junior. We Obviously think can see him at the senior bowl. Um, but someone who probably more of like a, a little bit of a throwback inside linebacker, you know, with the frame that he has, the way he takes on, on blockers. Um, I, I think the other side of that though, is what do you do in space? Like, can you be a three down coverage guy? Or on third downs, are you going to kind of rush because we did see him be a blitzer a lot? Um, I was trying to pull him up where I actually had him drafted. I, I, to me, he's probably more of a mid-round guy just because I do have those question marks about what he's going to be able to do a pass pro. But again, if you're running a 3-4 defense, you like him a lot more than if you're running a 4-3 and need him to be you know, a middle linebacker who has to pass cover and, and isn't more of you know, kind an old school thumper.
0: Give me your edge rusher. If the Packers say second round, they go after a guy to bolster that outside since they lost Darius Smith. Even though Rashawn Gary's kind of come on, you got Preston Smith on one side. The next guy that might be able to fill the bill over on that outside uh, opposite Preston Smith.
1: Yeah, it's it's tougher this year because I think with Green Bay we kind of look at guys who have you know a little bit of size for the pass rusher position. You know, Preston and Zadarius Smith are not small guys. You know, 6'5", right. or 270 for Preston Smith. This draft class doesn't quite have that type of edge rusher that that fits the size mold. Uh, You could look at Logan Hall from Houston, who's kind of a tweener, 6'6". He's probably going to be about 275 is going to be his play weight. They moved him all over the place at Houston. But I think round two is about where his value is going to be. Josh Paschal from Kentucky is a little bit short Mm -hmm. for what Green Bay has done, but he definitely has the size at 270. Uh, definitely has the production. You know, he, he kind of battled some injuries at Kentucky, but has turned into a heck of a player. So those would be kind of the, the guys that I would look at in terms of round two that would fit that mold.
0: Great stuff, as always. I certainly appreciate the breakdown. Real quick before I let you go, I, I know that everybody's talking about Debo Samuel, a landing spot for one of these teams. I don't think the Packers have enough money, quite frankly, unless they redo Jair Alexander or if they redo Dean Lowry. That being said, what would it take, do you feel, to pry away a guy like Debo Samuel to, one, in the conference, to, two, a team that they started all the rumors with Aaron Rodgers with last year, and then, three, obviously, to, to put him in a Green Bay Packer uniform. What do you think it would take?
1: I think it's it's more than Devontae Adams went for, which was a first and a second. So I, mm-hmm. I think that's where you start the conversation because of age, you know, being younger. Uh, also, you have that one more year at $4 million. It's very, very affordable. Now, you're going to have to give him an extension, right? But for at least right. this year, it's very affordable. So, uh, But you're right. There's no love lost between those two franchises. So uh, it might just be a hard no if you're John Lynch and they call
0: yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's ninety nine percent of me says never. But as well, that one percent, uh, yeah. oh no, it's great. Can you imagine Sammy Watkins, Debo Samuel, plus maybe a wide receiver or two in the draft? Then you bring in uh, a veteran like Randall Cobb. You still have Alan Lazard, and then uh, whatever Amari Rogers amounts to, and you got Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield. That that's something to think about. That gets you excited if you're a Packers fan
1: absolutely would and you have a, a pretty decent quarterback running back combination
0: there too absolutely yeah no doubt great stuff as always matt i appreciate it okay yeah thanks bill thanks pal there you go uh, matt miller espn draft analyst joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline at nfl draft scout at nfl draft scout that's where you can find his stuff uh and, and i agree ryan ryan hitting me up over on twitter saying he's not coming to the packers everybody just needs to calm down and wake up i i understand that it is great to dream It is great to dream. But the one thing to remember, uh, and I know this uh, yesterday when it came out, when Darlington posted it, and then uh, Ian Rappaport had it numerous times, Debo Samuel, one of the things he's looking to do is get out of San Francisco because he doesn't want to be a running back and take the beating anymore because he thinks it's going to shorten his career. He wants longevity via contract. And he wants to remain a wideout. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you start thinking about that. Because would he even want to go into the same system that they're running out there in San Francisco and be used in the same way? The answer most likely is no. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show on this beautiful day sun is out blue skies uh, temperatures are climbing steadily i've got the windows open i know i get it you get a little bit of that uh, the, the birds chirping in the background i don't care i love it makes me uh, makes me feel like we're even closer to a bigger and better baseball season like we can like we're ready to actually do some tailgating without coats and parkas you know that's, that's what I feel like today. Good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If uh, you're looking for some great service work on your vehicle, that's J&L Tire. J&L Tire out there in uh, Johnson Creek, Jefferson area. Uh, you can check them out uh, featuring Goodyear Dunlop, Kelly tires Lyle and his staff are great people philanthropic people go to jNltire.com and if you are a big rig driver you're an over-the-road driver box truck driver doesn't matter if you got any issues there you go they they, they take they work on everything from tires to brakes to trailers trailer repair you name it they do it go to jNltire.com so whether you're a soccer mom or a big rig driver they got you covered JNLTire.com. um this is, uh, who's this from? This is from uh, Wicked Dave. Wicked Dave says, uh, without Middleton, they're not going to win. Uh, I know it sounds silly because we still have Giannis on the floor, but Middleton at times seems to be the very quiet glue that holds things together. Uh, then he goes on, uh, nah, I don't care about all that. Uh, but I, let's go back to what your original statement was. I, I think they can win the first round. I don't know if they're going to be able to win the second round. I don't know if you're going to knock off. And it appears Boston's going to win that series with uh, the Nets. I don't know if you can knock off Boston. Boston's too scrappy. They got too many wicked weapons. Ben, without Middleton, how confident are you the Bucks even get out of the first round?
2: First round, still confident. Um, Even if they drop one in Chicago, I think Giannis can do enough by himself to bring them to victory in the series. When you play Boston, I think it's a different story. Yep. Especially, I mean, we saw last night, the bench did practically nothing. Like, if if they can't get Connaughton and Grayson Allen and those guys to consistently hit shots, Giannis can't single-handedly beat the Celtics.
0: Eight points coming out out of the bench last night. That's it, eight points. Not gonna not gonna get it done that way. Um 877-867-1670. Do you feel do you feel that the Bucks are still gonna be able to get out of the first round by beating the Bulls without Chris Middleton? Chris Middleton, if you're just tuning us in, looks like he's out three to four weeks. I said two to four over on my Twitter post. Uh three to four. Uh is what uh what they're saying now. Uh, Adam says, with or without Middleton, doesn't matter. They've got to play better uh, than they have the last seven quarters of basketball. 100% agree. Um, Pinto says, no way they get out of there without Middleton the way they're playing. Middleton at least can hit some outside shots. Right now it's an inside game for Giannis, and that's it. Brook Lopez is the only one doing anything behind Giannis. And, and, and we're, you're right in the sense that um you have got to get more out of Drew Holiday. They've done a good job defending it. I look, I think they can still win. They just need they they can't turn the ball over. That's all. The way they've been doing it, they just can't turn the ball over. Not valuing the possession. Go back to that. Um Mark says, I I don't think they're going to get past the Bulls. No way they get past the Celtics without Middleton. Davis says, uh, the run is over. Sketchy Steve says, I don't think they're going to win a championship this year. Even if they do get out of the East, they're not going to beat the teams in the West. Although, look at it this way, without Devin Booker, and he's going to be down a while, without Booker, and that hamstring injury, and who knows how he's going to be even when he comes back. Uh, the Suns have become very human again, and now the odds have switched over to uh, Golden State. The Warriors are the the favorite coming out of the West now. But I agree with you. I just don't think the, the Bucks have enough ability to defend the three. I've said that from the beginning. City Beach says, no way they beat the Bulls. Go Bulls. Oh, City Beach is a Bulls fan. And uh, Bada Boom says, um, you're saying the Bucks are getting out of the first round? LOL, no way. Without Middleton, it's over. So there you go. A lot of reaction coming in. 877-867-1670. If you're just tuning us in, the news is Chris Middleton out three to four weeks with a sprained a sprained MCL in that, uh, in that knee. Will they be able to overcome? And in the meantime, Brewers off today. Brewers get a sweep of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, now here's the question as the Brewers, you know, where they stand right now, as far as standings go and only a half game behind St. Louis, not hitting the ball, the top of their lineup, not getting the job done. They're going into Philadelphia where the Phillies, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're two or three games under 500 and, uh, the, the Mets have been able to overcome injury to the Grom and still been able to play solid baseball. They're nine and four Phillies. Yes. They're uh, five and eight on the season. Um, but Ben, give me give me a preview of the Phillies series with the Brewers coming up this weekend. So on paper, uh, the Phillies are a great
2: baseball team. However, <laughs> on the field, they are a train wreck right now. They are one of the worst defensive teams I've ever watched play. But we kind of knew that mm-hmm. going in. Right. The all of the big ticket hitters are playing okay, but it doesn't really matter because the front end starters have just not done the job. Um, Aaron Nola doesn't look great. Zach Wheeler's struggling. The bullpen has been, eh. they just, they haven't found out how to win yet. I think is a mm-hmm. good way to put it. They've been a lot of close games. They just can't find the timely hits and they can't get over the hump. And uh, they have a manager that makes mostly
0: the wrong decision every single time. I know time. you hate him. So I that plays into the other team's hands. Uh, by the way, for those that are wondering, the Cardinals are on the road tonight, taking on the Marlins in the final game of that series. And the Pirates, Begin a four-game series down in Chicago with the Cubs. That is uh, beginning uh, this evening, six forty Central Time, down at Wrigley Field. Then tomorrow, uh, while you've got uh, the Brewers uh, on the road taking on the Phillies, Cincinnati is hosting St. Louis. St. Louis could get themselves a a three-game sweep in that series. You got, although Hunter Green, who's one and one in the season, only one of two wins that the Reds have. He's got one of them. Uh, Hunter Green pitches tomorrow. Against Steven Matz for the St. Louis Cardinals, and tomorrow for the Brewers, you got Freddie Peralta going to the hill uh, with that ballooning eleven fifty seven ERA. He goes against uh, Ranger Suarez, who's uh, got a win under his belt this season. Cubs will then be hosting the Pirates, and that's the way things shape up in the uh, in the Central. Uh, Jose Quintana goes tomorrow for Pittsburgh. Drew Smiley for Chicago tomorrow night. So Bill Green pitched in
2: L.A. the other day. Mm-hmm. He right. threw, I think, 80 pitches. 39 of them
0: were over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. That guy's Dude, got unreal. heat. He's got control. Um, now, when you get guys that throw over 100 consistently, the first thing you do is think, okay, if you don't have movement on your fastball, they, eventually guys will catch up to you. Uh, who was the other guy that they used to have for a reliever? Started out as a starter in Cincinnati and ended up becoming a reliever. Then he went to to the Cubs when they won the World Series. Um, He was a Yankee. God. Andrew Miller? No. He got hit in the head in spring training, split his head open on a comebacker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody over on the the Bud Light live stream is going to know or somebody on Twitter is going to know. Got it. Geraldo uh, uh, Chapman. Geraldo Chapman. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the guy. That was another guy. He was a starter. Threw over 100 miles an hour consistently. He was throwing 110 consistently. And then all of a sudden one day, his fastball was just fast. And teams were catching up to it. Still throwing over 100. But if you don't throw it with a bunch of break on it, and it's hard to when you have that much snap, it's hard to. You don't get as much rotation on the ball. You just get speed. Um, And eventually they'll catch up to you. So we'll see if Hunter Green has sustainability in this league for more than just a season or two. But he's good, though. I completely agree with you. The guy's got serious heat. Um, Um, One last thing on the
2: Phillies, and this is going to bring joy to every Brewers fan out there. You are going to see the opposite ends of the spectrum on fundamental baseball, defense, and small things that win games. (laughs) The Brewers do all of them. We see great defensive plays. They take extra bases. They do all the little things right. Right. The Phillies do every single little
0: thing poorly. Uh, yeah. Speaking of d- things done poorly, uh and sticking around baseball. Did you see that the parachutists that uh, jumped into the Nationals' ballpark set off the uh, alarm bells around the state or the uh, nation's capital? Yes, I did. The Golden Knights, the Army of the Gold. Now, Nancy Pelosi is calling for investigations and. Uh, to stop this, and which is ridiculous, it's they just the the Army Golden Knights, they jumped into the Washington Nationals ballpark, inadvertently it triggered a, a probable threat to the U.S. Capitol, because they did not map out their flight plan with the uh, w- with the airport nearby, so it was mistaken for an unfriendly, and they were going to scramble the fighter jets. They didn't uh, go ahead and get a hold of the control tower at Ronald Reagan, uh, Washington National Airport, uh, when they said they were going to plan to drop some parachutists. (laughs) So the uh, U.S. Capitol Police, they weren't notified. uh, So they uh, set off the Evacuate Now aircraft intrusion alert uh, for the Capitol Police. Uh, they, They issued the alert at the same time they saw the aircraft flying to the area. And the U.S. Capitol Police, they said they were tracking an aircraft that poses a probable threat to the Capitol complex. The evacuation happened for everybody that was still in the building, the congressional building, the White House, everybody. Everybody was heading to the bunkers and the basements and such. (laughs) And it's all because the Nationals had the Army, uh, the parachutists, jump into Washington Nationals Park. And the (laughs) final score of that game, Bill?
2: Yes. Diamondbacks 11, Nationals 2. There you go. Nationals got drilled. The Army Golden Knights adding insult off. to a national disaster. I yeah,
0: guess. they 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 uh, never alerted anybody that they were going to fly into this. What what? I guess it's a no fly zone in that area or what have you. And they never alerted anybody. Had had they alerted the airport, the airport would have given them clearance and let everybody know, hey, they're just jumping into the jumping into the stadium. No big deal, nothing to see here. But instead, they were scrambling fighter jets and. Sending uh, sending our, our distinguished leaders to the bunkers down below, so the Washington Nationals can't even get the uh, can't even get it right when it comes to uh, you know parachutists jumping into the ballpark. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Um. So, by the way, the one thing, if you haven't seen it already this morning, we're going to talk about it when we come back. I. Uh, yeah, I, I saw this this morning, and I kind of laughed. And, I, and I'm and i I'm a little torn. I'm a little torn because you know what's going to happen. You know the police are going to be involved. You know there's going to be complaints filed. But should there be? Seriously, should there be? Should there be? We'll ask that question. If it's on the field of play, that's one thing. But when you're just kind of hanging out and you're sitting there, should there be? I'll tell you what I'm talking about when we come back. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.